Powered by Red Media in partnership with TSN, it is episode 45, season 5 of the Rain Drinks Hockey Podcast. And it is presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey, who have introduced the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series, CC 15-year-old Sherry Cask, all the hallmarks of classic Canadian Club with the added richness and sweetness of Sherry. And I don't know this for fact, Ray Ferraro, um, but our guest... Don Waddell, the president and general manager of the Carolina Hurricanes in episode 45, has been known on occasion to have a glass of red. So I'm going to assume, given he's a classy individual, been around Mm -hmm. a long time, he too would enjoy the CC 15-year-old sherry cask. I get that sense. How about you? I I do. And the the reason is because (laughs) Donnie is a storyteller. Oh, boy. Like he's been around for literally for 40 years Mm -hmm. of around the NHL in some capacity as a scout. Like I I think people assume these guys become a general manager and they just land as a general manager. Yeah. They've been bottle washing at the start and, you know, (laughs) traveling around and, you know, doing like the, the hardest, most unglamorous jobs. And then they work their way and, they become a manager. Donnie has stories from every angle. And when that team, I, I'm sure like we'll hear like when you put the team together in, in 1999 in the expansion draft, yeah. they didn't have the rules of today. No. I think teams got to, I, I, I think teams got to protect 11 skaters. So like you got the 12th best player on every team. <laughs> And you know what happens when you do that, Drakes? Mm. You get 14 wins. <laughs> so, yes, we will revisit some of those great tales from the era of the Atlanta Thrashers with Don Waddell of the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, in headlines, Ray, coming up shortly, we know the trade winds are blowing. And, you know, I used to love the chase. Now it's more of a grind. It's certainly complicated because of the cap. Um, but Chris Tanev dealt by the Calgary Flames through New Jersey to the Dallas Stars as we kick off our headlines brought to you by Tim Hortons. Delicious new loaded wraps and bowls. The sweet chili chicken is a perfect blend of sweet and heat. Enjoy one today for dine-in, takeout, or delivery. The classic cilantro lime and habanero chicken loaded wrap or bowl also available only at Tim. So I gave the essence of the trade that lands Chris Tanev, a coveted right shot defenseman in Dallas. But I'll quickly just read through it for anyone who's listening or following this on YouTube. Uh, Tanev to the Stars and the rights to unsigned goalie Cole Brady. It was a three-team trade, as we know. Brady was traded to Calgary for Tanev. The Flames agreed to retain 50%. New Jersey then trades Tanev to Dallas for a fourth in 2026. Uh, New Jersey retained 50% of Tanev's contract. Flames in trade Brady to the Dallas Stars for defenseman Artem Grushnikov, a second in 2024, and that conditional third-round pick in 2026. I mean, holy smokes. There is a lot of juggling with three teams involved, salary retention, pieces here, pieces there, before Dallas ends up getting a player that they very much wanted and obviously need. Yeah, and one NHL player moved in the deal <laughs> out of it's all of that. So, so for people that are doing the math, so since Calgary took 50% of Tanev's contract, 
the devils took 50% of what was left. So that's 25% because they offloaded Tanev and another 25% to Dallas. So for, for Dallas to make that deal work, their yeah. cap space had to match a certain number. And that's why they needed to involve the devils. So mm-hmm. just, just think of how that deal goes. You, you know, if you're Jim Nill in Dallas, you get it known to Craig Conroy that you're interested in TANF, but you, you know what your cap space is. Yeah. So you have to work the deal backwards and find a team that's willing to take 50% of the 50% remaining. Yeah. And so you probably shop that around to a bunch of different teams and the, the team you agree to, which in this case is the devils, yeah. you look that you look at and go, where's their pick? Where do I think their pick is going to be? Where do, what, what is the, um, what's the purchase price, which in this case was a fourth round pick. It's super complicated yeah. to, you know, to, to go ahead and try and piece that all together. And mm-hmm. look, Dallas now, um, Dallas is a good team. They were, they needed a defenseman. They really yeah. did. But what is, what's happened in Dallas is so that everybody knows about Miro Haskin and what, what they probably don't quite realize yet is Thomas Harley has made a mad rush mm-hmm. this year. He has been fantastic. So now you've got Lindell, Harley, Haskinen, and Tanev. It's a pretty good top four. However, they want to match them up and stuff. And that'll be over the next couple of weeks that Pete DeBoer is going to be able to mix and match and go, okay, what's my best yeah. pair? Dallas yeah. is a Dallas is a formidable team. You know, uh, so the reaction to the deal, less on Wednesday night when when the transaction was completed, more this morning as we record this episode, Thursday morning, has been interesting because the teams with available defense are looking at this trade and going, what in the hell did Craig Conroy do here? You know, mm. because the reality is, okay, you know, he gets the second round pick. He gets what I'm told is a very defensive defenseman prospect in Grushnikov. Um, did not get either Logan Stankoven or Maverick Bork, who were deemed untouchable by the Dallas Stars. But again, if you're one of those teams who has available D, right shot D, you're like, well, I guess we're not likely getting a first round draft pick for our guy at this stage. Well, and the first guy I think of is Sean Walker in Philadelphia, who's, you know, has been rumored quite significantly. And Walker's smaller. And doesn't have the track record that um, that Tanev has. Uh, he's had a really great year, and the Flyers are sitting there walking along this thin line of trade, sell, buy. You know, it's, this does not help the Flyers if they hope to recoup a first round pick for Sean mm-hmm. Walker. So this is this is the part of the game that is the most interesting to me, Dregs. Is so you're sitting in your chair. You're the GM, and now it's a game of chicken. Mm-hmm. How long can you afford to wait before somebody says, yeah, you know what, this other defenseman's 95% as good as, example, Sean Walker. I can't wait anymore. I got to right. get him. Yeah. And then if you get to the deadline, and if Daniel Briere waits too long, he's got Sean Walker. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And you don't get an asset back for him. And now he's an unrestricted free agent going into yeah. the summer. Like there's, this is the part of the game to me that is fascinating. And for all the slow play of trades, Dregs, you know this from talking to managers, I'm sure forever. Yeah. It gets moving fast yeah. right now. You don't have, you better be prepared because you don't yeah. have a lot of time to think anymore. And look, you know, in defense of Conroy and the Calgary Flames, they wanted to do, wanted to do right by Chris Tanev. And we know what we're getting into going into this weekend, right? You're going to start seeing players who are sitting, their healthy scratch, just to protect the asset. Mm -hmm. You don't want to risk injury, you know, with the, the trade deadline now just over a, a week away. You know, maybe Tanev and, and his agent, Wade Arnett, said to Conroy and the Calgary Flames, look, we don't want to do that. Let's just get this process going. If it's Dallas, we're happy with Dallas. Make the deal. I, I, I got a strong sense that that was part of it, and I can appreciate that. Well, and then, so you sign the papers, everything goes off, gets transmitted to the league office, and as soon as it goes across the wire, Conroy's phone rings again, and what are you doing with Hannafin? So they're on to the next one, and this is a – this is yeah. a hard part of first year as the general manager and oh hello mm -hmm. you you know you've got you've got some big fish in the pond yeah another huge developing story around the Vancouver Canucks and full credit Frank Saravalli reporting on Wednesday night that the Canucks and Elias Pettersson's agents uh, JP Barry and Pat Brisson have engaged in negotiations my understanding is those talks uh, got underway late Tuesday, continued into Wednesday. You know, you're looking at an eight-year deal. Um, it was originally reported, I think by David Pagnotta, that it was eight years times 12. Um, not true. It'll be in that Nylander range is what my mm -hmm. sense is, which I guess is fair. But I'm I'm more interested, Ray, in the dynamic of how all of this came together now. And and look, there's still a lot of talk and negotiation that has to move forward here before the deal is signed, right? Um, right. But it was dead quiet, aside from spe speculation in the market and certainly nationally on why isn't this happening? Why aren't they engaged in negotiations? And then all of a sudden, there's a report that the Vancouver Canucks are potentially talking to teams. Could we see Pedersen traded? And then the, the the switch gets flipped, right? Because now the club is saying, all right, well, if you don't want to come to the table, that's fine. You're a restricted free agent end of this year. You're entitled to your position, but we don't have to sit here quietly. I, I mean, I think that this is an experienced executive in Jimmy Rutherford, and his general manager, Patrick Alvin, working the process, trying to get it over into their side, in their favor. And if it ends up with a with a, a contract extension, which it seems likely it will for Elias Pettersson, it's a business, right? Maybe feelings it, get hurt a little bit. Big deal. You got the player signed long term. Well, yes, except that, you know, each side by their actions um, is trying to just – just put a little wedge in to just like push the leverage a little bit their way. Yeah. It's not much because yeah. it's not like Vancouver's going to offer a two-year contract at 8 million. No. Like everybody knows what the parameters are. The number of years will impact, of course, whether it's five years or eight years or will impact the dollar figure. But the one I, I got to tell you, like living in Vancouver, 
there is nothing from Pedersen, like no. nothing. Mm. People like to think they can wedge into information. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> but, and, and that's, that's him. Like he's a, a very reserved, has a very reserved persona. Yeah. Right. That's just, that's just the way he goes about his business. And so I, I'm, I found it interesting that there was nothing. And then that report came out yesterday uh, from Frank and like clearly in the last week, there's been yeah. a change of thought. Here's the thing. Yeah. Nobody's impervious to pressure. Nope. No, neither the team nor the player. Yeah. And eventually it gets to a point that it, it does. I can't speak for him, but I know it does affect the player in yeah. particular, like, you know, I don't know him, so I'm not saying I know this is what happens. Yeah. But you start to feel the pressure. Sure. People start coming. Um, they want to ask you more often. There's more articles. There's been more noise mm -hmm. around mm -hmm. this extension or non-extension in the last week. And this, if you like it here, you can say, I want to do it at the end of the year. But if you like it, then just do it. Just and then it's it. finished. Agreed. And so maybe that's where they're at. I think this is just a guess. If this deal gets done, mm -hmm. I think we'll see the best Pedersen we've seen this year. Yeah. And and he's had a very good year. Yeah. But there's another gear there. There really is. Yeah. And well, and for the and for the Canucks Straits, yeah. super important. Yeah. To to find out what. If they can, I mean, if Pedersen wants to come to the table and get this done, super important to find out what exactly is the dollar figure. We have yeah. nine free agents this summer. We have the trade deadline deadline coming up. We'd like to know what we have to work with. Yeah, and that becomes the pressure point the other way. And I look, I think that that Nylander number, it's a big one, right? Eight years, ninety-two million, eleven and a half annual average salary. That's got to be the comp. That's got to be the ballpark, the vicinity of what, you know, CAA and, and Elias Pettersson well, are looking for. Well, okay. We just talked about the TANF trade and how that sets the market. Yeah. Right? The Nylander yeah. contract sets the market for yeah. players in that age group. The difference is Nylander was going to be an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. And uh, Pettersson is an RFA, a restricted free agent, at the end of the day. At the, look, at the end of the day, you got a winger versus centerman. Mm-hmm. And teams most likely will be more apt to to pony up for a centerman than a winger, in almost every case. Yeah, yeah. So you just mentioned that you expect Petey to to play his best hockey. You know, once I, the I think deal the gets stress, done. even though it, yeah. he's never talked about stress, never yeah. said a word. Yeah. This is just my gut feel that yeah. you can exhale a little bit. I I think that's right, but that leads me to. What I have is our final item in headlines, and that's a layer of grumpiness that we're seeing. You know, not necessarily stick slamming and all of that from Elias Patterson, but there have been instances where you can just kind of see, yeah, going through the motions a little bit. Um, but you also see some of that, but more animation from Leon Dreisaitl of late, right? right? In Edmonton, where... Man, he's wearing his heart on his sleeve, and Chris Knobloch has talked about you love the passion and all of that. But you also wonder how much of that factors into Drysdale looking forward and looking at his future, whatever that might be this summer or down the road. 
Well, there's no, <laughs> I mean, you can say, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm telling you, it does. Yeah. Just, just from playing in the last year of your contract, mm. it, it is impossible not to look ahead. As much as you tell yourself, don't look ahead, you do look ahead. <laughs> if, you're an, if you're an emotional guy or a tightly wound guy, that look ahead, tension, stress, you see it. Yeah. Other guys, yeah. you can never tell. Like you can just never tell. They don't show any real emotion. Dreisaitl and Pedersen, um, to make a comparison, are you, you see it in their body language when things don't go well. Yeah. And it's a, you could see it like Donnie, Donnie Waddell will talk about, I'm sure, you know, like when I break sticks all the time, but you could see it. Like that was my release. Right. Their, their release, like I would smash my stick and, and the trainer would have both my spares waiting (laughs) and he'd just hand them to me. And so for these guys, it's a shoulder drag. It's, um, you know, it's like a frustration. Yeah. And, that comes in the last year of the contract. It is, it is inevitable. Everybody's allowed to play out their contract, but it's harder than most people would think. Even though, yes, I know fans will go, oh, they make millions of dollars. They should be able to. doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter because in their world, that stress is real and it's yeah. every step of the day. Even though everyone is telling them, don't worry about it. You're going to get yeah. yours. It's going to be fine. They all know that. But it doesn't matter in the immediacy. And I'm just telling you from standing in far less expensive shoes than those guys are standing in, you know it's coming. Like, you know you're going to get signed. Yeah. But the stress is there every day. Those are your headlines. Thank you to Tim Hortons. Introducing Tim's new sweet chili chicken loaded wraps and bowls. Packed with delicious and hearty ingredients, and topped with our new sweet chili sauce. Try Tim's Sweet Chili Chicken Loaded Wraps and Bowls today. Our interviews in Rain Regs brought to us by Canadian Club Whiskey, who have released the Canadian Club Invitation Series. CC 15-year-old Sherry Cask, signature CC Classic 12-year-old whiskey finished with a secondary aging in Oloroso Sherry Casks. All right, great to be joined on the Ray and Dregs Hockey Podcast by the President and General Manager of the Carolina Hurricanes, Don Waddell. And Don, I'm sure there are a million old Atlanta Thrasher stories that involve Ray Ferraro, which we'll get to in a couple of minutes. Um, But as a GM who's been in that office for a long, long time, um, take us through how complex and difficult it is to execute a three-way trade like the one we saw with Calgary, New Jersey, and the Dallas Stars. More complicated than the deal that you made sending Ferrero to, where was it for? St. Louis. Camille Piroche. Is that right? Was that the deal? There was a big market for 37-year-old Ray (laughs) at that time. Well, we we all, you know, when you're setting up trades, I mean, obviously we have every team's uh, cap, uh, you know, what they have for cap to spend. And, you know, there's a lot of teams that make it well known that, you know, they could be a middle person, um, you know, if there's a trade that needs somebody to hold money. So I think pretty much all that work is done ahead of time. You know, you may check around to see who's selling a a fourth round pick for X amount of dollars. You know, everybody's got different pay scales uh, of charts of uh, what the expectations are. But, uh, you know, it's not – 
where it gets difficult is that last day. You know, when you're you're rushing, I know I did a couple of deals right at the deadline where there was a, there was a middle person, and you know that that's just a little bit more uh, hectic. But in today's day, with technology and everybody knowing what everybody's cap is, you know, hopefully, uh, I know we're prepared, and I'm sure the other 31 teams are prepared for uh, the same thing uh, if it comes about. When when you make that decision that okay, I think we can be a broker team, I, I assume like. Is that is that constant communication with ownership to say, hey, we're going to take some money on here, or we're going to get nothing for it but a draft pick? Like, do you have, or does that just come in your budget? Do with your budget what you do. Well, I think every team operates differently. With us, you know, we just want to make sure we keep Tom uh, abreast of what we're going to do. Um, again, we have, we have a chart, and if we're staying within our chart, uh, we're pretty free to do uh, what we need to do. You know, and, and you know, for us, we have some cap space right now, and. Uh, you know, we want to be careful in case something comes along that we want to spend it on than uh, necessarily being a broker. But if something came about, you know, you got to look at every situation uh, just to see if it makes sense for your hockey club. Donnie, you guys have put together a, a really great run the last few years in Carolina. You seem like you're right there and right close to jumping through. And then there's always, you know, there's always an end to a season and you look forward to the next year and, how do you how do you mitigate the risk of okay we could go big here and trade a bunch of first rounders or are we close enough are we good enough like how do you in your head how do you get how do you square that all up I think when you look at it I think the last couple of years between eight and ten first round picks and we got traded around the trade deadline and you know if we remember right uh, only one team wins the cup. So you, you want to be yeah. careful. You know, we, we always say, you know, my line has always been we build our team in the summer, not at the trade deadline. doesn't mean you can tweak and, and do some things at trade deadline. But uh, there's, you know, hockey such a team sport that there's not too many guys uh, and those guys aren't getting traded that are really mm -hmm. game, and game breakers. You know, if you got some injuries, you know, you got a need. Uh, like Dallas needed a defenseman, you know, they went and made the trade for Tanup. I mean, they had a particular need. So if you have that, that's one thing. But just to, just to add for the sake of because somebody else is adding, you know, we don't look at it that way. Um, our sense is, Donnie, that, you know, you're looking for a, a top nine forward between now and, and next Friday. Fair to say that you'd prefer a player with at least some term as opposed to diving into the rental market? Yeah, that would be our first choice. And, you know, I'm talking to all the teams right now, and it's it's the same conversation that we'd rather make a hockey trade, uh, get somebody that's, if we're going to give up some assets and good assets, you know, somebody that's got some term left that uh, is good term uh, from dollar standpoint and uh, and the years left. So that, that's our always our preference uh, when we look at any of these deals, Darren. You, you guys, I'm fascinated. You know, we've done a lot of your games over the last couple of years at, at ESPN, and we come in there, and every time we go in, there's a new goalie in that, and you guys get the you guys get the same result. It's like I, I've never seen anything like it, Donnie. Like the the goalies that you guys have had to move in and out and piecemeal together, and I guess it speaks to the way you play because everybody seems somewhat insulated. I think it's four this year, right? Correct. Four goalies this year already, and and hoping for Freddie Anderson back at some point. Yeah, uh, actually, it's five because Peretz we called up from these coast league actually got oh, to that's play. That's right. For us. So uh, <laughs> that's five, but who's counting? 
Uh, <laughs> uh, Freddie's doing well. He's been practicing. You know, he had the uh, blockages, uh, and he's been cleared over a month ago or so it's been on the ice. We expect to see him here in the very near future and uh, give us uh, – you know, we have three goalies on our roster right now, and that'll give us four on our roster. So we'll have to figure that out here soon. It's hard to carry too many goalies, but uh, you know, like you said, I think it's, it's a couple things, right? It's certainly, the way we play. You know, we spend little time in our zone. You look at all the possession numbers and analytics, which uh, obviously have become a bigger part in the game today. You know, we don't spend a lot of time in our zone, and I think it's a credit to first uh, our defense. I think one through six, we're pretty solid. Uh, defensively, we got guys that can move the puck, um, and then you know we got to give credit to our goalies because we do abandon them sometimes. And you know we went through a period there where everybody was hurt, and Ranta carried us for eight or nine games, and then he got hurt, and Kochkov came in, and then you know we picked up Spencer Martin on waivers. Uh, his first start was in Boston, the easy start, and he won. Then his second start was in Vegas, and he won. Um, I was right. got to play. Uh, Home against Chicago, one switched and they lost in a shootout in Buffalo. So he's three zero and one with us, and you know we picked him up as an insurance policy, and that insurance has certainly paid off by now. When um, when you took over in Carolina, the makings of the team were were starting to be pieced together. What is remarkable, and people might not understand, is what hockey in Carolina has become, and the event the game has become. When you pull into the into the arena. And just, it, it's it's a scene. It really is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah we're very fortunate. You know, our fans have really supported us as uh, the team got better. And I think the other night was our 51st straight sellout. Um, we, we've got that atmosphere. First of all, normally we have pretty good weather. Uh, we're known for our tailgating. I know we played last week on an 8 o'clock game uh, at home. People are at 10 o'clock or starting to get their uh, smokers going and grills going and <laughs> Uh, it was a crazy atmosphere out there, which it normally is as long as the weather cooperates. But we're very fortunate, and, and I can't uh, say enough about our fans of how they've uh, responded. And um, it's been a great run, and hopefully we can reward them with a cup. Okay, if people haven't been there, I, I got to ask because it's my favorite thing when we pull in there. Who puts all those bloody traffic cones out? There has <laughs> got to be a thousand traffic cones. And you got to wheel. You got to kind of know where you're going. Who's the traffic cone guy, master? It's, it's a crazy story because actually, there's 2,100 that go out per game. Uh, <laughs> awesome. I'm using that next game, by the way. I'm using that because you wow. go out different entrances. Uh, you know, uh, that's one thing we're working on. Uh, we got big development plans right now is the ingress and egress because we really only have two ways into our parking lots. One way comes to a four-way stop and the other one comes to a three-way stop. So the cones are necessary to try to keep people, uh, traffic moving. Uh, we hope to solve that problem, but yeah, we do have a master of the, the cones. He's a, about a 75-year-old guy that the, the, he, he'll be out there at 5 o'clock in the morning, and he just loves it. He just set up codes, and uh, it takes him to about 3 o'clock in the afternoon before he gets it all done. It is, it is amazing pulling in, and you're like, oh, my God. Like, it's as far as you can see. It's amazing. That's terrific. Don Waddell, President and General Manager of the Carolina Hurricanes, joining us on the Rain Dregs podcast. As, as promised when we made the introduction here, Donnie, we have to go back to the days of the Atlanta Thrashers. 
because there's so many different stories and so many times Ray has referenced this with former teammates and whatnot. Is there a story that comes to mind specifically about Ray or or that team? I mean, 14 wins that one season was, uh, that's a tough one. Uh, that was that was pretty good for that team, actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that might have been our high water mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always said, you know, raised my second favorite player would ever play for the Thrashers. <laughs> Everyone else, everyone else is tied for first. Yeah, <laughs> no, actually, you know, what, we, we had we had some fun. We had we had we had uh, we had a different situation. You know, and it was you know it oh. wasn't any surprise uh, when I went in there and we got new ownership. Uh, you know their direction. Obviously, they were NBA people and not NHL people. And the mandate was, you know, spend as little much money as you can and try to make it uh, uh, run a, a business. But you know, everybody said, "How do you survive there for so long without success?" I said, "I did what the owners asked me to do." And you know, we were a little bit off the radar with the NBA team and that. But uh, Ray Ray was the first player I can say this honestly that I ever went to about trading. Um, you know, he was obviously, uh, getting toward the end. And, you know, I remember going to him, just asking him, you know, we were obviously going to make the playoffs. Did you want to go someplace? And, and then we, uh, we talked about it and figured it out and ended up sending him to St. Louis. And, um, but yeah, no, Ray, Ray, I don't know if you know, Ray's got a little temper on him sometimes. <laughs> He's worked hard on it over the years, though. Let's give him some credit. It's only been 20 years, Donnie. I think I'm getting better. <laughs> you know, I think if Bray was played today the way the sticks are made, he'd break three sticks every shift. But uh, back when he was playing, they were a little, little, little heavier, a little harder to break. So, uh, um, you know, you know, again, you, you always get measured by your success, but you also got to measure. I always look at, you know, the people you surround yourself with and, uh you know, for the most part, you know, every every once in a while you run across somebody that's uh, uh, not part of your group. But, uh, you know, Ray was always one of our leaders and, hmm. you know, trying to keep our group together because we had, we had some challenges there for <laughs> a little bit. To say the when, when you said, Donnie, that we, uh, you know, sometimes in Carolina you abandon the goalies. I mean, that was that's like when you guys allow like 31 shots. We, we went through goalies there like <laughs> – <laughs> um, um, poor guys back there. We couldn't check, stop anybody. And I, I, I just, I'm, I'm amazed. Like when you put that together and you've got, like, do you start, like, do you just try to put it together on the budget or did you try to say like, okay, we got to try and find a goalie or we need five of them, which we use, I think almost every year. Yeah. We use seven in one year. Uh, <laughs> seven <laughs> goalies. <laughs> Still, it's not a memory anymore. It's just a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, yeah, we were we were cost conscious, so you know, we had to take a lot of risk on some guys that uh, didn't have the great pass for uh, staying healthy. You know, but we weren't paying any big salaries, and you know, we had, we had a couple ones that really hurt us. The Posse Nermanen, yeah, uh, we signed him for uh, multi years. Had a good year for us year before, and a month before training camp, he uh, tears his. Uh, uh, his knee up and major surgery and never played again. And, you know, we had uh, Kari Lettinen, who was a big pick, who started off really good, and then, you know, he couldn't stay healthy. So, you know, it's injuries are a part of it. Unfortunately, that goaltending thing seems to just come with me wherever I go. But, uh, <laughs> so, but, uh, 
No, there, there was, uh, I enjoyed my time uh, in Atlanta. Obviously, you always wish you had more success, uh, but uh, certainly Ray was a, a fun part of uh, what we had going on there. Okay, I got to ask you about we, we the 20th anniversary of the Miracle on Ice. We actually won that night in Colorado at overtime. There was a bunch of stuff on the TV about, you know, the Miracle on Ice and hell, we, I think we were, you know, we hadn't won in like almost 18 or 20 games or something. And we won that night, which was just, it, it was like, that was the true miracle on ice that we won. But for the people that don't know, Donnie, you had a tie to that, to that yeah. team. And um, lots of people don't know and wouldn't know that you were a player of that caliber. Like you, you were yeah. there and then you got hurt. Yeah, no, that's uh, kind of you bring that up, Ray. Yeah, no, I was very fortunate. Uh, you know, we started, I, I was fortunate. First of all, I played in the first two world junior tournaments, which people didn't even know U.S. were playing back in <laughs> 76, 77. And uh, 76 was in the old Czechoslovakia, now the Czech Republic. The next one was Gretzky's year in Montreal. Um, and then broke my leg at a sports festival, came back, joined the uh, Olympic uh, the Olympic team on the road in Europe, back in uh, October, late, late October. And then in the uh, end of December in Lake Placid there, we're uh, playing those games. Uh, I hurt my knee again. So um, it was uh, disappointing. But when you, when you have that opportunity to be around those guys uh, and to see what they went through to have the success that they had, you know, I felt really good for them. And, you know, se several of those guys are still very good friends of mine through the years. And, you know, it's a, it's a great story. Uh, great for, I think it really helped USA hockey uh, sure. mm. get on the map in, in the United States. And, you know, now you see we draft players from every state in the country. So, um, you know, it was a great experience and uh, felt very fortunate being part of it. So a lot of connection to the team people have through the Miracle movie. Like, yeah. how realistic was Herb Brooks in that movie? To because were you on that team that was skating up and down the ice in Norway? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, yeah. again, yeah. again, again. Uh, <laughs> no, like any anything you see, um, uh, some of it gets a little bit, uh, 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 you know, maybe a little bit heavier than it really is. But yeah. I'm gonna tell you, ninety. 5% of that show uh, movie was right on. And, uh, you know, there's a reason they won the gold medal. And obviously her knew what he was doing, uh, pushing all the right buttons. And, you know, he, 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 he was tough. There's, uh, there's uh, a couple stories that, uh, I don't know, you got a second here, but. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> at the Christmas party, um, uh, it's in the movie. We all exchange names and, I actually drew her Brooks's name, um, oh. and um, so uh, I I didn't do this alone. I had some help, but so you know <laughs> we bought him a a whip. Oh. <laughs> Come on. Oh, wow. It's kind of got left out, but we were in a late placid actually, and uh, everybody opened their gifts. They're all gag gifts. I had real bad acne. People got me this acne cream, stuff like that. it was. You know, it was a fun time. So. <laughs> Last one that opened his gift, and uh, when he opened it, uh, he wasn't too excited. Uh, he, it didn't go over, did it? Yeah, it did go over too well. 
he sent everybody to their rooms, and I wasn't in my room. Kenny Morrow was my roommate, and I was in our phone rang. Uh, it had it couldn't be two minutes. And it was Craig Patrick <laughs> saying, "Herb wants to see you. <laughs> oh, somebody no. squealed me up really quick." Uh, so <laughs> a little bit of the lecture of my life that night, but uh, <laughs> it, it was all a good, good fun. But uh, Herb was a special guy, obviously, and uh, you know, there's a reason they won the gold medal, and he was certainly the big part of it. Um, I get I get to ask you one thing about the thrash because you may not you may not know our plane we used to call it the trash can and <laughs> the the first flight we walk up I'm with Andrew Brunette who's going to become a great buddy of mine by the time our days in Atlanta are done and there's like three mechanics looking up at the wing and there's parts on the ground and we're like what the f- are we getting on this thing like where did you guys come up with that plane and like. Was it even a plane or was it a bus that you stuck some wings on? Like, what happened there? Yeah, the, the, uh, the Hawks really wanted to have their own plane. And uh, uh, so they somebody went out and bought this plane. It was, uh, so that was in 1998. We started using it. It was a 1969 plane. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, Ray, that's why I flew commercial most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that I can remember the stories about that plane, and uh, I, I remember one of the first times I got on it. Uh, one of the guys uh, early on came up from the back and said, "Hey, uh, somebody must have left their clips on here. The, the NBA team had just gotten off, and their mag for their handgun was left on the plane." Oh boy! Oh, <laughs> I'm like, okay, but uh, I guess uh, the best was—I uh, don't think you were there, Ray. Right? Two thousand, and uh, we were playing in Carolina. And the plane, we have a hard time getting it pressurized. And the pilot said, uh, we'll go. We're just going to fly under 8,000 feet. Oh, that was the solution? <laughs> I said, wait, the plane's not going to pressurize. And you're going to fly. Oh, yeah, it's all good. Needless to say, I grounded the plane that night. And we stayed overnight in Carolina and uh, flew commercial back. But, yeah, we, we had some stories. <laughs> the pilot, by the way. I, I forget his awesome guy. He always came out to say hi, and he had his tie never done up to the top all the time. So we called him Striker from the airplane movies. And we're like, <laughs> and we're like, who's flying the plane? And he's like, nah, nah, no problem. Everything was no problem. Yeah. So, Do you know what that plane we did with that plane in the summertime? You probably don't know this story. Where they take all the first class seats out and put it back in coach seats, and we rent it to the state, and that's how they transported prisoners around the state of uh, Georgia. We were the same during the winter. You guys held us hostage there. We couldn't get out. Oh, yeah. That's outstanding. Hey, Donnie, we could keep you for an hour, but we're not going to do that. We uh, we appreciate you taking the time to join us this week. And uh, all the best leading up to the trade deadline and the rest of the season. You got it. Always a pleasure being with you guys. See you down the road. Great to see you, Donnie. We'll see you soon. All right, right. Thank you. Ray, I know I say this often with our guests because we 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 have great guests, and some of our best guests historically on the Rain Dregs Hockey Podcast have been guests who are connected to your past, and a lot of them connected to that run with the Atlanta Thrashers. But man, you know when when I think of general managers and the history and the personality and everything that goes into doing that job, Donnie Waddell for me is right near the top of the list. He has had some, some amazing stories <laughs> that he's had to live through. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. uh, 
you know, he's, he's really respectful in talking about, you know, the, when the thrashers came in, it was a, you know, it was a MBA centered ownership group. Yeah. Basically they said, here are, here are the Braves. There's their budget. Here are the basketball. Here's their budget. Oh yeah. This little chunk over here. Here's, <laughs> here's the thrashers. And I know Donnie's, <laughs> Donnie's, they had that thought. As soon as I can get rid of this expansion roster, we're going to be way better. <laughs> like they knew, like they didn't look at that roster and go, Hey, we got a playoff chance. No, no. Like it, 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 there are honestly, this is a book. If, yeah. if I could get off my ass, it's a book. It, it really is. And that story about the plane transporting prisoners, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's so perfect because our team was so bad. It was so bad. And it is really, um, it's really something that he's been able to stay in the game after that. But like you said, he, he, he goes, I did what the ownership wanted. Yeah. Like yeah. at the Drake's, how many times do you talk to a manager and they go, yeah, yeah we, this is what the ownership wants. And they're, it's their money. You've got to, yeah. You've got to play along. The, the other thing I want to say is, you know, that, that 1980 Olympic team. You know, Don has an amazing um, view of it. Yeah. But don't forget, the game started in February, and he got cut and hurt his knee in yeah. January. He was right there. Ah, heartbreaking. <laughs> he's uh he's had a great career he's a terrific guy yeah funny as all heck and yeah. uh thanks to donnie to to come on super sharp hockey man as well all right uh, i know what i'm doing this weekend and that's just basically beating up my phone with trade speculation and everything else how about you i'm uh got the canucks game tonight thursday night yeah. and then after the airport or after the game John Shorthouse oh, that's right. in a know, yeah. in a really unselfish thing. We're gonna zip out of there. Shorty's gonna drive me to the airport. I assume he's gonna stop, and then I'm gonna get out. I'm okay, gonna get yeah. on the red eye. I'm gonna fly to Toronto. I'm gonna sleep for four hours. I'm gonna get on a flight to Detroit, Whew. and I've got Detroit Saturday afternoon. Here's the key to Saturday afternoon games: games at three. Yes, you're out of the rink at six. I've got an eight o'clock flight to Denver. Oh boy, that's tight. And so there's no fiddling around. There. Are <laughs> we done? See you next week. Yeah. <clears throat> Out of there. And then I um, uh, fly to Denver, stay overnight in Denver, and I'm home Sunday morning. So while you're on the phone, yeah. all, of, all of racked up about 9,000 flight miles. All right. Well, keep your ear to the ground, by the way. I need all the help I can get at this age. I, you know, I don't uh, think you can. Here's yeah. the thing, Drake. If it was easy, Everybody would do it. You got to embrace the grind, okay, like okay. the grind, love the grind. I'm giving you a talk right now. This yeah. is the big weekend. You Don't know, fall asleep. You know when I love the grind? I know you won't. March 9th. That's when I love the grind. I would say your two favorite days are March 9th and July 2nd. Correct. That is 100% accurate. Oh, but embrace embrace the grind <laughs> all right, you buddy. ask the players all year yeah oh you gotta grind through well, yeah. here you go grind through thank you i needed that little pep talk get me going i appreciate it yeah, it's not her brooks's speech but it's no. all you're gonna get today Close. all right well travel <laughs> safe right. uh planes trains and automobiles for you on the weekend yep. and uh we'll do it again on tuesday 
Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you Tuesday, and I hope you have a great weekend. And thank you to our sponsors who continue to support Ray and Greg's, our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey, and Tim Hortons. Until next time, stay safe, everybody. <laughs>